don't have to like everything we say. You don't have to listen to us. lot of questions I get all have to do with some of the exercises and things on here I've mentioned trying and they come down to confidence fake it till you make it won't cut it you can't fake confidence you'll get caught every time you have to develop it learn it things you have to do to make that trait be something you can use it doesn't replace nervousness sometimes we think it does I could stand up in front of the class if I wasn't more confidence I wouldn't be so nervous why it often cancels it out. There's been times where I was very confident and nervous as shit. So I knew things would go badly very quickly. That's not normally going to be the case with most people. So confidence, how do we develop it? How does it relate to the gray man concept? What can we learn with that? What can we do with it and how will it help us improve? That's what we're talking about right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight. Funny thing about confidence, there's podcasts I watch at famous podcasters. I won't say who they are because I don't think it matters, but I watch them do their interviews. Some of them have done this so many times, but when they're talking to these people, to me, it seems like they don't have the confidence that they have in other settings. And maybe it's because of the subject matter. They don't understand it as well. It makes me think about when I used to do debriefing and when we were trained on it, Sometimes you had to do the student-teacher relationship, and some of these guys I don't think know how to do that, and they haven't done enough research, or they've read things, or saw a video, or saw a documentary, found it interesting, wanted to talk to somebody. There's another guy that's starting to become a little bit bigger. He's not super popular yet, but he's the kind of guy that goes on these popular guys' channels. But man, I don't know. I mean, he says things about research like he's joking. I don't know if he really puts effort in or not. He's a lot smarter than he portrays himself to be and I'm not sure if he's joking or not when he plays down his intelligence but he clearly can hold these conversations and maybe he's just naturally got it down better maybe it's his background because if I told you who these two guys are the second guy a lot of people would just assume has confidence because of his background but that's not fair all those guys don't and it's just different to see how people act sometimes and try to figure out why they are that way but that's why I say it. We think that we could do that thing if we had confidence because we wouldn't be nervous anymore. A lot of times you find out you are still actually nervous. In fact, the whole event seems like a blur. Getting up there, giving that speech, you don't really remember it. Got to watch the video. Just remember what you really said. That's kind of how it is. Confidence sometimes comes across with anger. 
because people aren't confident in what they're saying. They're confident in their anger. So it's important to note the emotion and not reaching your emotional point of failure, which we'll talk more about at some point. But when you reach that emotional point of failure, your confidence will be in that emotion, not in what's really happening. And that can be seen by others. So doesn't mean it's always going to work out for you. But the thing about confidence is why I've learned a lot about it, and there's things I had more experience in than others before I joined the military. It was years before I got into this world, and I still needed confidence when I first started out because I became a leader very early. I was a leader most of my career. I always had new people. I had to go to new places, new training. I was nervous a lot, but I had the confidence. I was the only guy, I think, that didn't really have a huge issue with getting up and teaching. I just wanted to make sure when they gave me a class and told me how to write it up and told me how to teach the class that I was as prepared as I could be because I wanted to do it correctly. Not because I wanted to impress anybody or pass a school. I wanted to be teaching people things that mattered that they would remember no matter how trivial they seemed because I was learning as I was teaching that people were teaching me stuff that were doing the same thing. I have to teach a class as part of this training and things I knew they were getting wrong and I saw people absorbing it like it was knowledge. Or things I absorbed like knowledge, found out later it was wrong, and I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be that guy. So I wanted to make sure that it was good, and I had the confidence. So it worked out a little better for me. But this job, this whole job in the intel field, when you're doing this type of stuff, and you're even interrogating has a little bit of it that that gets to people. But then when you're working assets, it's even more difficult. Because no matter how much research and stuff you have, what you're essentially doing is You're put in front of the face of a stranger and you have to communicate and get them to talk. You might have to get them to do things or to agree to things. Or it's trying to build a relationship, to make a friend, to recruit. A lot of different ways we can approach this. They probably know or think they know who you are. Maybe they don't in some occasions. Or when they're a detainee, yeah, maybe it's not as blind as some dude on the street you just randomly pretended to bump into but this guy knows they're detained and they're scared and you got to get past these certain barriers. And when you lack the confidence, which I saw so much, a lot of people self-sabotage in these conversations and the ones that try to fake the confidence would caught every time. It's just like the whole adage about buying, say a used car where you got the used car dealers, a dirt bag and the customer isn't, they can see through the used car dealers bullshit. It's because they're displaying confidence, but they're faking it or it's the other way around. You know, the car dealer is a good dude, but the person coming in is trying to put up this perception of their poor or whatever, hoping all these beliefs that it's going to get you this better deal. But they can see right through it because they're overdoing They're overacting, essentially, is the fake confidence, which is why you don't want to fake it. You want to develop it, hone it, learn how to use it, apply it as another tool when these conversations occur, and use it at those times when you're doing things with intent. The first thing you should try to do is going to sound so easy but I'm going to explain to you why it's so hard. And that's identifying our strengths and weaknesses. Not just identifying, but knowing and truly understanding them helps us see where we need to improve and put effort into improvement and where and why. And also make sure that our strengths are not something we ignore or that we turn into a weakness by doing them too much. So you get in these situations like, say, a job interview, for example, and... You're asked about your strengths and people say and often try to argue very vague answers, not even vaguely specific, like I'm a hard worker. 
Something that nobody can really quantify, justify, it probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense for the job anyway. Or for their weaknesses because they don't really know them or don't want to admit them. They use an answer often like a hard worker, trying to color it up as secretly a strength, but I work harder than others or I care too much. Trying to sell this idea that you're going to get somebody that cares more than everybody else, not realizing you're self-sabotaging while you're doing it. And that the way you're explaining it is making it worse on you. It's because we don't act honestly on these answers. But secretly, when we're alone, we're due. We realize that I may not have any strengths, or I, these are probably my strengths, but I think they're overall pretty, pretty weak compared to these other people. And then our weaknesses, we can actually line them up. In fact, because we beat ourselves up so much, we can make a laundry list of weaknesses. Some of them might actually be pretty significant. The thing to understand is it doesn't matter what your strength looks like in comparison to anybody else or how well they do it. It's about you. You're comparing to yourself yesterday, preparing for tomorrow. Everybody else doesn't matter. Even on a job interview, you might be competing against 100 people, but you're really competing against yourself. And that's the thing. Even if there's a better candidate who gets the job, it doesn't mean you didn't do everything really well. You just might not have been the right fit. really depends on the industry and where you're at. But when you look at your weaknesses, you need to be understanding of why you see them that way to make sure that it's not, you know, maybe something serious like childhood trauma where somebody said a bunch of bad things to you that you now believe that are garbage, but you don't know it. There could be that. More than likely, there's just things you beat yourself up on or are insecure about, but they're not really weaknesses. And then realizing, well, why are you insecure about that? Is it just an insecurity you don't understand? Or is it an insecurity because it caused problems on the job before, you know, using this as a, a job situation where we're looking at our weaknesses and saying, are they really weaknesses? You know, is it a weakness you can't cook if you don't know how? Well, I suppose if you're trying to get a job as a chef, it might be but I don't know why you'd be there in the first place, but it's probably not a weakness if you're going to get a job, say, selling cars. You might see it as a weakness that you can't cook because you're a woman and you want to get married and you think that's what all men want. And yeah, many men are raised in what we call traditional old school families that see it that way, but a lot of guys can cook now. And maybe that's just something you can talk about to somebody when you're dating so you don't have to worry about whether or not it's a big deal not to mention you can learn to cook or learn to cook with them and that's always a fun date thing to do but there's ways to mitigate these to find out well these weaknesses where do they really apply because while that cooking scenario might apply in a relationship it didn't apply in, on a job interview so where do they apply and where do they matter and then how do we mitigate them or work at them to truly understand is it really actually a weakness? How significant is it? Where does it actually matter? And then how do I go about improving that area or learning that skill? Because a weakness might actually be something you need to learn. It might not be something you need to improve. But most of the time we see them as things we need to improve. And the other thing is to find out, are those weaknesses actually a strength? Is there something in there I thought was a weakness but is strong? Like everybody at work tells me this. Okay, so they tell you that about your job performance, but you don't think it's true. Well, why is that? Why don't you think it's true? Do you feel like an imposter? Do you have that going on, the whole imposter syndrome thing? Are the people telling you that are the ones that really don't know anything about that and just think that's cool and amazing? So you can enjoy the compliment, but you're like, yeah, I need to 
you know, secretly I need to keep working on this? Or are they people that would know and are satisfied with your work and perhaps you see it as a weakness because it's not where you want it to be but didn't realize it's actually a strength that's much higher on the strength meter than you realized. And then you can figure out how and when you want to refine things to make it a little better but not kill yourself trying to do it when you realize that actually isn't a weakness. So those are things to consider and things to look at. Another thing too is being kind of realistic about your goals. While understanding strength and weaknesses can actually help you with your confidence, and I think the explanation of how I laid those out probably can get you kind of seeing that, setting realistic goals builds confidence because you achieve them. So an example is you want to have a million dollars in the bank. Okay, well, if you make $500,000 a year, you can probably make that happen pretty quickly. But if you're doing a $40,000 a year income and you want to have a million dollars, might want to reel that back because that could take so long, it could just feel impossible and have more negatives over many years than all the successes you could have. So maybe we need to make that realistic bite-sized chunks. Maybe the first thing we need to do is have $1,000. You know, and then maybe once we have that $1,000 and are able to keep it in there, without messing with it, say you put a time limit of a month or three months, or whatever, maybe, maybe you don't put any, but you got it in there. And the next one you go for something a little more significant, like 10,000, maybe from 10, you go to 25 or 50 from there, you round it out at a hundred. Aside from having all these realistic goals that now seem more attainable, because a lot of people think a million dollars really attainable, but don't think a hundred thousand is it's so funny how our brains work. But all of a sudden, you'll realize the changes you have to make are subtle to get that 1,000. And then it's just a handful of more subtle changes or more time to get that 10,000 and then repeat itself. And you learn things along the way as you're doing this. Aside confidence, you'll gain more interest. You'll be looking into this stuff, learning a little bit about more money. You might be determining that, well, I can put this extra money in there and add more to that overall savings, but I have this debt over here with this interest rate. So if I pay that off then, uh, yeah, I'm not putting anything in this month, but then I have all this extra next month that I can, I can start putting in or, or start going this while. You start handling your money a little better, start choosing to learn more and be more responsible. Why? Because you've had successes. We ignore these things when we have failures, but when we're having successes, we tend to look more into them, go after them, learn more about them to have more successes. It's the dopamine thing. It's basically like the dopamine setups they have at casinos on uh, you know, slot machines, but you're, you're getting a series of wins all the time that is overall keeping you up. You're not losing. The million dollar goal is just you sitting there shoving money into a machine, watching it go away, hoping for the big jackpot. You don't want to chase the jackpot. You want to get the small wins and build on those. And that's not gambling advice. I'm saying for this example of working towards having a million dollars in the bank. So when we set these more realistic goals, we, we build confidence by achieving them. We learn more about the subject most likely along the way as we raise the goal or raise the bar. You could still have an overall goal of a million dollars, but the thing is when you do it in stair steps like this, by the time you actually get to a million dollars and you now have investments, you have all this other stuff, maybe your house is paid off, you might all of a sudden not care because you might have some realizations like, I am completely capable of doing two million or five million, or you might be like, Okay, I have a million, but I understand now because I have investments that based on the market, those are going to fluctuate quite a bit. And because I'm, let's say you're 35, I'm going to be doing this for another 30 years. I realize the market's doing bad for the last three years that I've had all this money in there, but 
first three years of a decade isn't something I should judge my investments on because I understand how that works now because you've learned those things along the way. And so that's something to think about, realistic goals. And it doesn't have to be a million dollars that you're working towards. This could be getting chores done on the weekend because they feel overwhelming. So simple things like checklists, to-do lists, if they don't overwhelm you. And if they overwhelm you because of their sheer size, break them down into categories. And if cleaning your house is overwhelming, clean one room. Clean the smallest room. Clean the cleanest room. Clean part of a room. Clean the desk. Have a small victory. There's nothing wrong with that. It's enjoying those little things that'll help build that confidence and keep you from getting so down on yourself. Which goes into kind of um, taking care of yourself. Part of taking care of yourself mentally is those little wins, but there's also the physical aspect as well. There's a lot of chemical science and chemistry behind emotions and feelings and confidence and things we have in our head. And I'm sure we've all heard many, 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 many things about this. But in general, we just want to try to be a little healthier. No matter how healthy you are, try to be a little healthier and try to be more consistent with it. You know, people say have a healthy diet. I'm not sure we know what that is anymore. The pyramid changes, the diet changes. There's certain diets that aren't meant for losing weight. It's just meant for the lifestyle in your body that work for people over here that don't work for people over here. And maybe you got to figure it out. Maybe you're carnivore, maybe you're vegan, maybe you're vegetarian. Maybe you want to do the pecs or pescatarian thing. Maybe you want to do Mediterranean. Maybe you don't care and you just like eating bacon and eggs. It doesn't matter. Figure out how you can eat a little bit healthier. If you realize that you're probably getting fast food a little too much, get it a little less to start. Have that little victory. Get that down to a reward system for the occasional burger before you get that down to, I've learned how to cook a better burger at home and I'm not buying that crap anymore. You know, something small like that, using those steps, but to do the self-care of eating healthier. Be more physically active. There's a lot to be said about being physically active and healthy and what it does to the brain, what it does to your motivation, your attitude, and all these things. These things help. So if, for as much as I could say, just increase your activity level, most people say that. I'll just add this in to the other things you can read or hear about it anywhere. Some people can't really physically do a lot more. They can't walk any farther. They can't climb any higher. Maybe they're older. Maybe they have injuries, whatever it is. But there's probably things that you can do you're not thinking about that will equate that same mental result. And that's things like yoga, meditation, stretching, any variation of those. Perhaps the only thing you can do is go hang out in the pool for a while and swim a couple laps. That's okay. It's an increase. That's what really matters. I mean, if you can go from, I haven't ran in five years to, I'm going to go run 10 miles a day and you can pull that off, good for you. But not everybody can do that. So sometimes you just have to say, what's a small step to increase my activity level? You know, let's see how I feel. It's wearing me out a little bit. I keep doing it for two, three, four weeks. You might find out, yep, I feel like doing something else now, or I'm going to add this in. Or I'm going to make this a little longer. And then I'm going to reward myself with a break time or a break day or a relaxed day or a massage. You'll be amazed what these things do for your mental health. Part of doing this too is, I haven't said the idea of staying positive, but part of the staying positive aspect is not taking things personally. Now, we can say anything we want about the way other people talk to us, but part of it's about how we talk to ourselves and how we treat ourselves. 
going back to the beginning through any of the steps I've said now, even looking at that million dollars, trying to go for a million bucks and the, the issues we could have with that, we could be beating ourselves up, be sad, all kinds of things along the way. It's a lot easier to not beat yourself up when you start having victories, when you start having wins, when you start performing things and achieving goals, you find yourself in a cycle. It's so easy to get in that negative cycle. We don't realize it's actually just as easy to get into the positive cycle. We see it as hard when we're stuck in the negative cycle. That positive cycle looks like a hill. Just like the people are on top of that positive hill. They look at the negative stuff and be like, how do people do that to themselves? Because you're at such an extreme, the other one seems crazy. But when you start making baby steps towards one or the other, all of a sudden it's going to snowball one way or the other. So it actually is as easy to make things positive for yourself because it's the same process in the same manner. If it doesn't look that way, that just tells you how far down you are and how much more you need to work on making these victories and not beating yourself up so much. And the thing is, there are people that beat us up too, or there's people that are bad for us. I'm dealing with this myself, so I'll, I'll throw this in there. I've been dealing with this for way too long. You are not required to keep bad people and toxic people in your life, even if they're your family. At the end of the day, you have to take care of yourself. And if taking care of yourself requires you to cut people out, then that's what you have to do. And part of understanding this is realizing that it's not just about what we think. It's about the way in which we talk about ourselves. Like it's one thing to be messing around with somebody and, you know, acting, you know, you're 35, you're acting like your kids. You grab a stick, somebody throws a pine cone, you're going to hit it like a baseball. You miss it. And you're like, oh my God, I suck at this. Over time, that actually could have a bad effect. But playing around is one thing if that like never happens. But when you're doing it all the time, you're talking yourself down all the time. You're going to believe it. You're going to believe it to the point that when you're dating somebody that does that, when you point it out to them, they're going to get upset. And then they're actually going to try to convince you that you think that way. And when you can convince them that you don't think that way about them, then they're still going to be upset with you because now you're telling them they're wrong. And I know this from personal experience, but I know plenty of friends who have gone through the same situation. So the self-talk thing, I've, it's not just a red flag for relationships. You just got to, you know, watch that. Think about how you're talking about yourself. You know, you can deliver the same message by saying, I'm still failing at it as saying, I'm working harder at it. Either way, you haven't reached the end. But one's more positive, one's more negative. You know, I, yeah, I... I have not been able to prioritize the time for that, but I'm definitely going to do it. Or like, no, I haven't done it. I'm sorry. I just, I don't know what's wrong with me. One is just so negative, even though you didn't say anything specific. And one is much more positive. So pay attention to that. And the thing is, if you don't know if you're doing it, look for it in other people's behaviors. Because much like I've talked about things with, say, detecting deception, for example, Sometimes we can identify it ourselves, but more often than not, we're able to tell when other people are doing it. And by watching that and observing the thing or observing the body language movements, then we start realizing when we're doing one or the other and thinking about it subconsciously during a conversation. It's the exact same process. The last thing I'll give you advice on for this is how to properly deal with failure. Failures happen all the time. Whether or not we call them failure or how much we pretend they're a big deal is based on how 
we see that event. We actually probably fail in a day more times than we realize. We just don't always see it as a big deal, which is okay as long as it's nothing serious. But the thing about failure, people always say learning from your failure, I guess the point really is it actually doesn't matter that you fail. I mean, there's, I guess there's failures that can matter, you know, if it results in, say, harm to somebody. But in general, most things, it, it doesn't matter that we fail. What really matters is what we do after that. That's, that's what matters. You know, and people say, yeah, pick yourself up when you fall down. Okay, that sounds good. That sounds like a little kid playing little league, getting hit with the ball on the ankle, and he walks it off. But what if you're really injured? Should you get up and walk if you're really injured and your ankle broke? Probably not. So part of it's understanding how to assess the failure. So that when you fall, that's your failure. Take a look at it before you try to correct it so that you don't repeat the process or make things worse because that can actually happen Tidbits are really great sometimes, and I don't hate them all. But there's things to look at to consider how to do these things better. Some of these things, especially when it comes to the aspects of mental and physical, are things I went through that are training-based, that had to do with the job, whereas some of these other things are just a way I could better understand things that have been said forever or ways people have helped me understand or accept things and things I still deal with myself. And I know, I know a lot of this is probably starting to sound like I'm doing mental health stuff and that's not my intention. I just fed off of some of that stuff a little bit and thought about this confidence thing because it does relate because some of these are going to help you get, especially the ones of you that sent me messages like, I want to go out and talk to people or I want to talk to my family members. I want to do the body language detect deception thing, whatever, but because I'm doing it with the tent, because I know I'm doing it, which is doing it with the tent. I feel nervous. They can tell me something. They can tell something's wrong. They can tell something's fucked up. Sometimes one person, like, they thought something was going on, like I was getting divorced. Totally get it. So now we have to work on our self-confidence. So let's try that. And then for those other skills, just try to do observation as a third party until your confidence level increases. And, and part of that will be doing it as third-party observation. Even though you're not an active participant, it's a good way to ease yourself in if confidence is that issue for you. Because a lot of times people say, well, confidence isn't an issue for me. And, but I don't understand why people say it is. Well, they're probably not wrong. It's just that it's not all the time. There's probably something specific they're seeing or a specific time. Because we, we have this idea like if a person's good, they're always good. If they're bad, they're always bad. If they have you know, a self-confidence issue, it's, it's in their whole life. or something. And that's not always the case. So hopefully this helps you out and working towards some of these tasks. We've got some more stuff coming. I've got several I've been recording. By the time you hear this, I've, I've done, let's see what number this is. I've done five or six. I've got several more to do, a lot more task-based stuff. Definitely going to do another situational awareness. But i got a few others coming up that I think you'll enjoy. So stick around because the next podcast should be coming out in about two days. <laughs>